listening to Triples in Ecstasy, a production of Hollow Sweet Media. This is Admiral James T. Kirk of Federation Starship Enterprise. Your presence here is an act of war. You have two minutes to surrender your crew and your vessel, or we will destroy you. Admiral Kirk, this is your opponent speaking. Do not lecture me on treaty violations, as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you- Who I am is not important! Listener discretion is... Klingon bastard. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her encore mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new content and new stuff, to follow the girl work no podcast is gone for. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to Triples in Ecstasy, episode. 259. It may be April Fool's Day when we're recording, but it's no joke. I'm hosting the show today. Yay! Uh, in the studio with me today is Dragon. Hello, Dragon. Hi, son. This is going to be a weird experience, so let's uh let's start with uh Star Trek Online news. Star Trek Online. Yeah, this has been an interesting week. Um, we've got the first Contact Day writing contest for... Yes. Grab your pen and paper. Well, well or at least your keyboard and computer. Um, you have a writing assignment. 1,500 words or less. One entry per player. It must be told from your captain's perspective, not yours. It must be about meeting a species of any kind for the first time. No canon characters allowed. So no Kirk, Spock, Bones, McCoy, Sulu. Yeah, you get the idea. Um, while the contest is going, you may not, I repeat, not republish the story anywhere else. And you must submit your entry to ambassadorkale at gmail. Dot com before the 14th of April. Um, there are some rather interesting little prizes. Uh, first place is the Hollow Novelist title, a Phoenix Admiralty card, and five Phoenix prize packs. Second place you is also the title, plus the Admiralty card, and three Phoenix prize packs. And third place, you get the title, the, the Admiralty card, 
and a single Phoenix prize pack. Now, I do want to stress that this is for PC and console captains. So you, we all get a chance to, to, to win in this contest. I'm not sure if they'll have a first, second, and third for each platform, but that would be the smart thing to do. I'm not holding my breath. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's one of these weird things where the story, the, the, the basis for this is you should be telling a first contact experience from your captain's perspective about the first time they've met any species, essentially. I mean, we, we, we can't all, you know, we can't all talk about, about Sival meeting Earthlings for the first time. Because, you know, that's canon. Yeah, and I'm sorry, that story's been told enough that, yeah, personally, I'm finding it kind of boring. I, I like the idea of, yeah, this is the story of a Klingon captain meeting a, Romul meeting a Romulan for the first time and going all batleth on him. That would be a rather interesting story. Before you have the, before you have the uh, Romulan, Terran, well, not Terran, just like Earth, Starfleet War... And before you have the Klingons going, you Earthers are all yeah with with Archer on the Enterprise. There's like this whole story to tell of the animosity between the Romulans and the Klingons. You could do that. You could totally do that as a Romulan or a Klingon. You just have to remember to keep it under one thousand five hundred words. So no excessive swearing, Dragon. Oh, wait a minute. That means that Alec would have a hard time on this one, because he writes novellas for his feedback. No, come on, come on, be fair, be fair. He only gets that wordy when it comes yeah, to criticism. He only gets that wordy when it comes I say that with all love and respect, Alec. Uh, they do make interesting reads, and you do make a lot of very, very valid points. So, yeah, nothing personal, it's just me being my normal smart-ass self. So we actually have some PC-only news for the event calendar. Hey, look at that. So we have First Contact Week going on right now on PC. Uh, you can get yourself a replica of the Phoenix, which is a little toy. Uh, uh, a Phoenix hollow emitter, generously provided by the Ferengi. Who knows why the Ferengi would have this stuff? Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, unlimited use hollow emitter, so it never burns out like the other ones. Oh, boy. Well, that's going to be, uh, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. It would, it's going to be interesting after people have already claimed their things to see the hundreds of ships flying around as the Phoenix, but, uh, that'll get here when it gets here. But next weekend, next weekend will be a shuttle weekend. It'll be the 6th through Monday, April 10th. That's going to be fun. 20-man fleet alert. I think I'll be skipping that one. I never liked shuttles, so, meh. I kind of wish the Klingons had a version of the Yellowstone, because I kind of want a shuttle admiralty card that has... Times five critical to all the ratings. Is like the, Yellowstone the Yellowstone still the best? The, the Yellowstone shuttle? Yeah. 
is it the 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 best base shuttle? Yeah. I'm not sure. It depends on your preference, I guess. Because back in my day, I used to go down to Yellowstone Park and get myself to Yellowstone. And I used to do all kinds of fleet events in it. I was the first one to blow it up in a, in a fleet raid, and it sucked. But it was the best because I had all kinds of cool stuff on it. I would, I would kind of think that, well, I mean, considering how Fed-oriented the game is, I think I've said this before. The Federation kind of has the best, the best shuttle um, set, even though it's not a joint set. Because if you have the Yellowstone, you get engines that give you, like, essentially, it's a it's a, a leak gas out of your engines. You know, like the the, the warp plasma. Oh yeah, that's awesome. The striker. The fighters, the the Cation fighters that you get from the carrier, the the shuttle thing that you get, has a deflector dish. I don't remember what the deflector dish does exactly, but it's, you know, it's a unique thing to that shuttle that you can take off and put on other shuttles. And then if your your, your captain on the Fed side also has the Ferengi shuttle, guess what? You have a metaphasic shield. Oh, and don't forget that the Danube has the tractor beam built into it. Well, so does the Yellowstone and the the Delta Flyer. So what are all different shuttles are there now? Uh, there's the Cheese Wedge. There's <laughs> that's the that's the Toran shuttle. Uh, well, no, they've renamed it. It was the Toran shuttle. Uh, there's they they added a new Klingon shuttle. So now that now there are two buy with EC Klingon shuttles, and one is the cheese wedge that they've had like since the beginning, and then the new Torin shuttle is a thing that cloaks, and then they have the the fighter, the strike fighter, and that's pretty much it for the 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 Klingons. The Romulans have the Scorpion, which is the Riemann fighter, the Terrasil shuttle, which is the cheap, cheap one, and then there's a runabout Kestrel. And uh, that's it for the Romulans until they align themselves with with either faction. And then they get the whole slew from the Fed side or the three from the, the, the Klingon side. With the Fed side, though, there's like... There's... Shuttles you don't even know exist in the game until you actually have the ship that that shuttle is aligned with. Um, I know you can buy the Striker ship for the Cations independently, and then you have the Yellowstone, the Type F, the Type 8, the Delta Flyer. There's also the... The Taco Bell ship. Well, that's... The the Del Taco shuttle is the Type 8. Oh, that's right. That's the story. (laughs) I just wanted to say tacos, okay? Forgive me. Okay. 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 <laughs> the the um the the bundle, the Bajoran bundle, the Deep Space Nine bundle comes with the Type 10, the 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 Chaffee shuttlecraft. Um and that's a thing that is unique and doesn't exist unless you purchase know and purchase the bundle for the shuttle. The Vulcan ship actually has a shuttlecraft that you can claim after buying the ship because the support craft is a shuttle. So like I said, there's like a whole list of shuttles for the Federation. 
Fed-centric game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, uh, yeah, no, looking a little bit further forward on the event calendar, the Alachi Alert Weekend is returning on April 20th. And uh, it will go through till the 24th of April. That'll be interesting. I always had fun with the Alachi event. And, oh, by the way, uh, doing some looking for you, Xander, there are, including the captain's yachts, there are 12 small craft for the Federation. There are five for the Klingons. There oh, that's too many. Four oh, that's too many. And three cross-faction. That's too many, too many, too many shuttles for the Klingons. I'm sorry. Can't have that. Wait, we need there's 15 more for a Federation to even a spec out to the, to the one, two point, point zero, 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 point one for the Klingons. Wait, wait, how are there five? <laughs> I, I, I kind of left off the commander's gig on purpose. How are there five? There's the Kivra, the Toron, the Duhaj, Duhaj, which is the, the captain's chariot. Right, and, right, and, yeah. right, right. And then there's the Toduj fighter, and then there's also the Rojenko time ship. I forgot <laughs> about the lockbox ships. Yeah. <laughs> the Toduj fighter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm if clearly here not tell, for my technical expertise. <laughs> if, if you if you guys can't tell, he's either sleep deprived or drunk. <laughs> I'm ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Don't fire me. No. <laughs> uh, don't douche fighter. <laughs> it's so cute. Oh, that's that's nothing. That's nothing. I literally I created a Riemann science officer named V, and wanted to get her. I specifically crafted her for doing nothing but flying the Dyson the, the Dyson destroyer. And the moment I get that shuttle and I unlock it and I unpack it, the sh- the ship's name is quite literally Vagina. Vagina. <laughs> I know, right? And I'm like, okay, this is perfect. There, I'm not changing anything, and nobody can nobody can. Can blame me of anything because this is literally what I got when I opened the ship. I do have a quick question for you guys: Is the Jupiter class ship flyable yet, or the other uh, one, the Typhoon? The Jupiter has been mostly removed from the game and replaced with a carrier class called the Jupiter. Oh, yeah, it's a really huge, a hulking real- flight deck kind of cruiser ship thing that that's actually a full carrier the trade on it's actually kind of fun so Xander, are you admitting that it's been a day or two since you've been in the game i haven't i haven't played sorry in three years if you're going to ask that question and i'm one of those people that will answer it <laughs> well i was trying to be at least somewhat couth <laughs> But you see, I'm getting all the information right here from Tribbles and Ecstasy. See? They answer questions. Cha-ching! <laughs> so, yeah, going further down the road on the PC news. First contact day. Woo-wee, this event is really weird. Has, has, have you played it, Dragon? Yeah, 
Uh, I've played it, and the way that they figure out the winner at the end makes absolutely no difference. So there's been a lot of people going AFK during it because everybody gets the same damn reward no matter what. I've I've played it a couple of times. The best you can do is getting halfway of whatever bar they're using to measure distance or whatever the hell they're trying to measure before your shuttle explodes. Bef- you know, before your Phoenix model explodes. And it's like, uh, okay, why am I sitting here for an extra five seconds? I mean, I, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I think the point would be, you know, going and, and trying to get it out of the atmosphere or to, towards the atmosphere and initiate at least a fake warp, you know, that, I mean, that would be the point, wouldn't it? Well, that would be what it would seem. However, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, none of them can attain, obtain the the proper atmosphere, yeah, whatever you want to call it, in order to do that. And I mean, it's, it's like when you've got all purple gear on it and you can only get like 290 or 300 uh, for the elevation, it's like, why did I do all that BS of messing with the... Yeah, the adjustments and all that sort of fun when somebody that's got two purples and a blue outdid me. That makes absolutely no damn sense. I don't know. I, I just, I, I've, I've, I, I must be the only person that feels even further out of place having classical music play when you're launching the shuttles. Beastie Boys. It's not even the, okay, look, like this event, okay. Yeah, you know all that stuff that they talk about, all that all the all the all the profits they talk about making for Star Trek Online to their shareholders and whatever. Yeah, I kinda know where all that went. It went into buying the rights for them to play that one fucking song every time the shuttles launch in this event. What song? Now, don't get me wrong. I I, I am a fan of Steppenwolf. But there's only so many times I can listen to Magic Carpet Ride in my life and not be absolutely sick of it. Essentially, we are we are recreating the launch sequence from the movie First Contact. And every time the event comes to a close and they, quote-unquote, test our little toy replicas, suddenly you have Magic Carpet Ride playing as the shuttles launch. And, um, yeah, it's like, that's where all the money went to cut through all the fucking red tape to put it in the game. And it's more than a 15 second clip that just replays over and over again. It's full chunks of the song, because if you sit there long enough, you'll you'll literally go through the entire instrumental solo. Nice. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I actually okay, want to play it now. I, I under... I understand that this has a connection directly to the film, and it's something you guys wanted to... Really, guys? <laughs> it's probably already a license under the, their marketing anyway, because technically when you, when you trademark it and you put out, and you put out all that, infor- that into the, the movie, you've already pretty well bought the rights to be able to use it. So, right. so this but is that's- already an IP owned, uh, so they already have the IP, I would assume. Well, the studio would, yes, but then Cryptic would have to acquire the license to use it as well. 
This is why this is why the this is why Star Trek Online doesn't use anything but its own created music for its game. Because it would have to go not to CBS and not to Paramount for the licensing of the music, but to all the little individual companies and owners of said music for different things to put it into the game. This is what makes this is what makes movie licensing a nightmare in most places. In in you know in most productions, is that you have to not only tiptoe through all of this crap when it comes to music, even people who have made music specifically for for you for a film, then turn around. Uh, uh, you know, legal companies didn't turn around and say, uh, that's our music, that's our music, and, and, and slapping all kinds of false bureaucracy kind of bullshit in there when it doesn't even exist in the first place. So yeah, like I said, I know where all the profits, quote unquote, went, and they went right into acquiring this one piece of license. Now, moving on. On. Should you be able to stand the repetitive nature of Magic Carpet Ride uh, long enough to be able to get four of the little event tokens, which happen to be holographic busts of Zephram Cochran, um, you'll be able to turn those in to get a decent little reward set up. One of them, which is the one that I'm actually looking forward to, is a starship trait, Theta Radiation Infused Evasive Maneuvers. While this trait is active, using evasive maneuvers will inject theta radiation into your drive, sending a shockwave behind your ship, damaging enemies. Lingering theta radiation continues to inflict damage on enemy ships for a brief duration. Um, yeah, that's when you piss off everybody on the map, get them right on top of you, hit evasive maneuvers, and watch them cook. You know what else would be... Um... Interesting to to see this used with. Um, uh, photonic shockwave. No, actually, I was thinking the um, if it worked that way, because I'm not sure it does. They they wound up doing well. They wound up doing something with eject warp plasma because stupid amounts of damage. But the Rysian ships. Like the Rysian Corvette has that 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 peel out maneuver, which is essentially what this is, just without the theta radiation, and it is a console activatable. Considering you activate that, if you can activate evasive maneuvers with with the with, with the Rysian Corvette's console, you're not only cr- going to create a cone that slows. Uh, slows down enemies because of the effect of the console, then they're going to take the the theta radiation damage as well. So it's essentially going to bring back the eject warp plasma slash hit the console activatable button and peel the F out. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't uh, the way it's sounding is at the same time is this is a lot like the Nosigan Scourge Destroyer console uh, being makes into the evasive maneuver because that console is eject theta radiation and yeah so you're basically eject theta radiation and peel out 
same sort of thing, isn't it? Well, the 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 theta radiation console is essentially an eject warp plasma console. So you don't have to have a bridge officer ability taken up by eject warp plasma. The the vent theta radiation provides the kind of the same stats of eject warp plasma. What this is, it's a hit the evasive maneuvers button and suddenly you're you're doing what people used to do in the Ryacian Corvette before they nerfed that. Is you're you're hitting the button on the Ryacian Corvette that makes your Corvette go and leave this cone in its wake that slows everything down. And at the same time, just before you hit that button, you hit eject warp plasma, so you're puttering out plasma that essentially eats away at the enemy's hull, whoever is caught in it. That's essentially what this is now. It's it's made evasive maneuvers its own eject warp plasma thing. I still say it's going to be fun. Oh, um, yeah, no, there's no doubt. A rep- yeah, another reward you get is the Phoenix Replica, which is a toy rocket resembling the Phoenix um, as seen in the first Contact Day event. So, yeah, eventually we're going to be seeing tons of those launching at ESD on Konos, on New Romulus. Oh, my God, it's going to be a nightmare. I um, I happen I I I just just the logistics of what this says it is. I feel like it's going to be just an exocomp thing flying around with you that is shaped like the phoenix. God, I hope so. Um, you also, as we mentioned earlier, there's the phoenix hollow emitter, which will make your shuttles and fi- well, yeah. Special hollow emitter for shuttles and fighters that will make your ship look like the Phoenix. Unlimited duration, unlike those provided by the Ferengi. And one other reward, one other event reward that you get with this is upon completion of the four, turning in the four bus, you also get a captain specialization token for those captains that are, have the specialization unlocked. Well, they're also, they're also bankable too. Yeah, like I said, otherwise it's just going to sit in your inventory. Yeah, which is fine. I do have to say, though, this um, this, this Theta Radiation go console ahead. is going to be fantastic on those of you who are still running around in the Malon Cruiser, which I plan to have my banker character on the KDF actually running around in the, the Malon Cruiser. You're going to have it running around in, the, in a garbage scowl that can do an explosive diarrhea damage? Not only that, not only that, not only will its evasive maneuvers vent theta radiation, it will also have the vent theta radiation console, so... Oh, God, get get the uh, mop and bucket ready. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. And then, of course, I'm going to have to use disruptors on it because, well, you know, green. (laughs) Oh, I see you're still going with the color coordination. Very nice. Well, not only that, just just like disruptors are kind of a really good base weapon in the game. Period. This is also very true. Um, moving along, they also announced this week an alliance escort bundle. Um, this could be kind of interesting. They're not from the primary races; they're actually from secondaries: Asian, the Ferasim, and the Remans. Um, yeah, they come with this neat little thing that's the heavy weapon slot. 
only heavy weapons can be used in it. They can be upgraded like normal, and also like normal weapons, they will show up in your weapons UI and can be set to auto-fire. However, unlike most projectile and directed energy weapons, they are not affected by abilities like beam overload, high yield, uh, that sort of fun. So sorry, guys, you can't boost it that way. Um, in an upcoming release, many starships will re be receiving a heavy weapon slot. T6 Raiders and all Tier 6 starships with a tactical commander seat, seven weapons, and one or fewer hangar bays will receive this slot and access to a basic upgradable heavy weapon. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that part. Basically, the way this reads, and specifically states, only Tier 6 ships that meet all Tier 6 raiders and... Uh, and only tier six ships that meet this criteria are getting this heavy weapon. Oh boy! So what in the hell are they gonna do to, to for the engineers in the game? What in the hell are they gonna do for the science captains? Because this is giving the tactical captains and those flying tactical ships a huge advantage in the whole DPS race and the rest of that sort of bullshit. Uh, well, I'm the... sorry, but yeah. They did. They did kind of give. They did kind of give science captains a leg up. But we haven't seen any new special of those things since the Dyson Sphere, and that is the secondary deflector. Hey, cryptic. You know what would be nice? You're releasing all these fucking science ships for free. Where's a special secondary deflector? I'm tired of only having like. Three and a special one that is so many years old and doesn't fit with anything that I have a science ship built for. Um, special weapon that comes on these escorts is a rail gun. Um, yeah, uh, potent weapon deals kinetic damage periodically, firing like a standard weapon. It may be upgraded like a standard weapon, swapped out for any other heavy weapon placed in any other ship's Starship's heavy weapon slot. It has a 360 degree arc and deals heavy kinetic damage to your target, a portion of which will bypass the target or the target shield. Now, okay, um, I have to say this here in the patch notes for half a second. I'm going to jump to the patch notes for half a second. Okay. Um, they did a an emergency patch, I guess you'd call it, because they found out that their rail guns were busted. Specifically, instead of it damaging, it was actually healing when it did its little railgun barrage, uh, which is the special ability for it, and they had to go in and fix that. <laughs> I don't have a ship to test that one, so I'm hoping they actually have it fixed. Oh, cryptic. Oh, God. That's, that's so humorous. <laughs> Leave it to cryptic to create a weapon of mass destruction and it winds up healing the enemy, right? Yeah, this goes into the whole thing that you and I have mentioned occasionally about, you know, quality control, testing, making sure your shit's right before you put it on the live server. <sighs> At the same time, yeah, I at the same 
At the same time, I, I want to desperately agree with you. I also have to realize that there's a lot of shit that actually gets caught before it even makes it to the live server in the first place. This is true, and I I will give the cryptic team all kinds of credit for catching everything they do. I, I also give the bug hunters all sorts of credit for finding the stuff that they do. Um, it's just, yeah, this is one that they knew there were going to be a ton of people that wanted these ships because of that railgun. And my personal opinion, for what it's worth, is they should have done the most extensive testing specifically on the railgun when it came to this when it came to this ship package just to make sure that nothing like this slipped through the cracks well according to uh timberwolf these these ships are actually really really good when it comes to using the railgun cuz um we we've been talking recently about how they've uh about, about the space changes and how the space changes are going to affect um, like the plasma consoles and all that kind of stuff, and really kind of chop off a lot of the top-tier DPS. And even with a lot of that top-tier DPS chopped off, this console, um, or this heavy weapon, when the railgun itself fires, it can do almost 9,000 damage by itself. Yeah, so it's going to make up for a lot of that that's lost. However... One thing that, that Timber and I have discussed is how it looks like some of the science abilities are going to get affected, specifically the science ultimate. Um, yeah, and I can't say I'm very impressed on that because, yeah, I, I happen to have a couple of tombs that are running the science ultimate, and it's been really, really, really helpful just because, yeah, they kind of suck with their crit chance and credibility normally. And so I use that science ultimate to boost those so that they're actually a little more viable. So I actually took Timberwolf's advice from last week and went and, and bought the um, the Dyson consoles for science. So I did a an exotic particle console and the... Oh, what was it? I can't remember what the other one was, but I bought two of them. And essentially what those consoles from the Dyson reputation does is every time you have an exotic particle uh, ability or a shield drain ability, there's a chance of it doing proton damage. I yeah, couldn't stay alive. You see, here's the thing. Proton damage is the only damage in the game that there are no resists to, period. None. Well, no, I couldn't. St I was in. I, I'm in my Lucari ship with this science captain with these Dyson consoles. I couldn't stay alive. I was taking all the aggro away from other people. I was taking aggro away. Why? Gravity well, Tycan's rift, feedback pulse. Y y yeah, I, 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 for for the life of me, in Conduit Advanced, I could barely keep myself alive because I was taking all of the aggro all of the time. Yeah, fun. Okay, the console that comes on these escorts is, is the Universal Console Railgun Destabilizer Module. Um, 
Activating this console will cause your starship to overload the railgun and deliver a withering barrage of explosive projectiles at random enemy, nearby enemies. Each, pro, each projectile deals heavy kinetic damage in an, and in an area of effect with a small amount of shield penetration. If your hull strength is low at the end of your barrage, you will receive a large increase to flight speed, damage resistance, and defense for a brief time. Otherwise, the railgun barrage ability's recharge time will be reduced slightly. It also provides a passive boost to impulse expertise and maximum weapon power. May, may be equipped in any console slot, but only on Dication, Ferocin, and, and Riemann yeah, escorts. Yay. Limited ability stuff. And, and there's also the Starship trait, which is called Hit and Run. After achieving level 5 in your escorts, you will unlock the Hit and Run Starship trait. While this trait is slotted, evasive maneuvers will provide a very high damage resistance rating buff. When evasive maneuvers expires, you'll receive weapon damage and critical hit damage buff for a short time. Make the glass cannon even more of a glass cannon. I do find it interesting, though, that the um, the little blurbs for for the Cation and Verasen ships was almost next to non-existent. And the blurb that came for the Raymond one was, "Hey, you know what? You know that you know that Delenn shuttle that everybody's talking about that 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 everybody seems to like the the Delon Warbird. Yeah, let's make this one a Raymond design and make it an actual escort. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Spock eyebrow. Okay." Yeah, personally, I kind of raised my eyebrow as well when I saw that because it was like, really? Um, that's kind of a stretch, isn't it? Well, it's not. It's not even that. You you have this is the third Cation ship, the first Ferocin ship ever, and then another Reman ship. And there's no blurb for the Ferocin ship saying, you know, this is the first Ferocin ship. Da, da 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 da. There's nothing about this being the nothing about the Cation ship being some new thing that they wanted to try out. But no, 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 no. Get to the Romulans, and all of a sudden, how? Oh, hey, you you know that you know that one warbird in between the your your Talis Tavaro class and the the Mogai class. Yeah, we wanna we wanna take that. Uh, the Remans actually wanted to take that and make that an escort of their own, so here it is. Um, that's completely out of place, given the rest of the blog. Yeah, it could have been worse. Oh, trust me, it they was worse. The Federation only. Oh, 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 trust me, it was worse. It was worse. They launched it, and the railgun was healing the enemy and not not damaging it. Well, this is true. <laughs> okay. Uh, for the patch Speaking notes of for patch the normal notes. patch day, yes, for our normal patch day, they announced the event for the first contact day, the five-person cross-faction ground queue uh, for that's week long for level ten captains and above to celebrate the first contact day at the Zephyrin Cochran Memorial in Bisman, Montana. Uh, 
scavenge parts to create a replica phoenix and launch it to see who goes the highest. Once a day, players who compete will receive a hologram vouchers. Those are the ones I was talking about earlier where you turn in four of them and you can get the neat little reward. Holographic um, busts. Under- no, not breasts. Hey, busts. They, they should have made it bigger after the Lords of Acid song. But anyways, um, under general, resolved an issue where frames per second would drop significantly when pressing randomize in the tailor. Resolved a couple issues where kit modules were blank squares in player's inventory. Resolved an issue where an AFK penalty was being put in place in some private queues. And the kinetic cutting beam now has a more accurate description. Uh, yeah. I didn't see any difference in the one that I have, so I'll take their word for it. Um, then there was the, the special patch that they did um, as, as we're live. They did it yesterday, March 31st, resolving an issue where the heavy escort railgun was healing enemy. Yeah, that was that that was funny. I read that and went, "Oh my god, what?" <laughs> that was just that was too much. That was way too much. It's like, oh yeah, no. Game, the game starts healing the enemies instead of damaging them. Immediate patch. Can't do damage in a science ship because you're balancing everything. No, nah, we'll we'll fix that in three years. <laughs> yeah, and then we had a first contact day RP blog. Um, son, what was your thoughts on this? Considering this is like, I skipped a week in RP blogs, and I read the first contact blog, I read it and went, eh, okay. It has no bearing on anything whatsoever. It's like just a couple of Starfleet cadets or crewmen or something just puttering around the the reenactment area for the for for the event going on. In fact, they're actually sitting in a replica of the Crash and Burn bar, and they say specifically the bar that that you see in in First Contact didn't even survive like the the event the the aftermath of of Cochran having first contact so um yeah they're sitting in a replica of the crash and burn bar and the jukebox is blaring all of Zephram Cochran's favorites and there's a, a a Vulcan sitting there looking like he wants to cover his ears and says you know that that music is rather annoying. And there's a Cation, one of the Starfleet officers, who says, you know, it reminds me of something similar back home, just ours has more hissing and screaming. And the Vulcan goes, I take it back. There are obviously things worse. Then it just, like, devolves yeah. into... It devolves into the them talking about the the, the actual event of First Contact... And the Vulcan, having met one of the surviving crewmen of of First Contact before uh, they passed away. And then it just kind of devolves into, hey, you know what? We should go and do the toy thing everybody else is doing. It'll be fun. And then I kind of lost interest. One question I have to ask. One question I have to ask is, if the Vulcan is old enough to have met somebody from, yeah, the whole first contact thing. Uh, how old is that son of a bitch? Um, do, do we want to know? Well, considering I would say that it is 
it is entirely possible that the surviving crew member was probably one of the, if not the youngest Vulcan on the crew of the Taplana Hath, I think it's what they call it. Uh, so, if even as a really, really, really young Vulcan, this Vulcan was meeting a really, really, really old at the end of his life Vulcan, yeah, it could be possible. Somewhere between 200 and 300 years old. Okay, we'll go with that. Now, son, I, I will let you take us into the next part because I can tell how much you just are absolutely looking forward to it. Oh, I've littered like titles like this throughout the show. So, uh, <laughs> our next bit of news. On April 25th, we're getting our new season, Escalation. Also known as, we can't be arsed to finish a war in one multiple episode season. So have this new single featured episode season and some other stuff. And uh, we'll have another one in a half season later, after another reputation, an invasion-like war thing that we'll create. Sound about right? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, no, like, the blog for this boils down to essentially, hey, we have a new episode. Something, something, Lucari, something, 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 Zenkethi. We have a new reputation. Career-specific stuff surrounding a PvP-ish PvE. Oh, and we have new cues. PvP-ish PvE. I can't be arsed. At all. Whatsoever. To, to muster any sort of enthusiasm. Whatsoever. Okay, to shed a little bit of light on the PvP-ish PvE for those that have not seen the announcement. Um, it will be two teams going up against each other. And basically a race to finish the one objective before the other team does. Um, this is the reason for the whole balancing stuff that's been going on in the game. is so that that way they can make it to where the teams are a bit more balanced and you don't get some team that is just massively overpowered trying to go up against a pug. That's sort of fun. Um, so it could be a good thing overall, but then again, it could blow up in their face. Only time will tell. Well, I mean, if this is how they're going to revamp PvP, then don't call it PvP, because it's not player versus player. It's team versus team. And it's not even like they're... I mean, the way this is presented, they're not even really trying to kill each other. It seems like that each team is supposed to be working towards the same goal, just on opposite teams. Whatever that goal may be. Like, it's 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 still PvE. It's like having two teams of five people running bug hunt right beside each other. That's, that's what I see in this event. And somehow it's supposed to be this PvP thing. Uh, no, but okay, thanks for playing. Yeah, see, that's basically how I how I read that is they're 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 almost going to have to introduce some new cues for it, which yeah, I'm not sure I'm real impressed with that thought. Or they're going to have to do some real, real, real serious reworks on existing cues, um, even if it's something like break the planet or something like that. That's a very underutilized cue currently or even on the Fed side, Starbase 24, or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, that's a large enough map to be able to do that. Um, 
but yeah, it's still not something that I see as going to be very easy to pull off in the long run. No, um, Timber, though, considering some of the stuff he's actually read from blogs and stuff he's heard from from other testers on Tribble, it seems like this is going to be something more to try and force people back into the trinity of an MMO. The, you know, the traditional trinity. Taylor, DPS, and tank. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be all that accurate, considering the tank class is a support class, at least on ground. Engineers on ground kind of don't have a traditional tank anything. They plop down support shit all the time. They plop down support turrets to help the DPFs. They plop down medical turrets and shield generators to help the medic heal. That's not a tank role. That's a support role. Yeah, exactly. In the case of ground, you're going to end up with two supports and a DPS. And that's not going to work out so hot in the long run, in my personal opinion. But as I said, uh, or I should say, I thought we'll we'll have to see how Cryptic pulls a rabbit out of their um, posterior on this one because this is going to be fun to watch it be implemented. I understand, Alex. The devs can say whatever the hell they want, what they think PvP is, and to an extent, they they can say that and implement that and make that their thing. But look. If there was a single reputation I would never play, it would be a PvP reputation. I didn't touch it in I didn't touch it in in the old republic. I didn't touch it. I still don't really touch it when playing Overwatch. I don't I'm not interested in like your competitive little shits. I'm not I'm not interested in it. Mostly because it becomes the biggest base of all toxicity in anything. And see, I'm like you, son. Um, I I prefer player versus PVE uh, because the whole PVP thing brings in a whole lot of hate and disrespect and ego and, yeah, just a lot of the whole negative thing that Star Trek is supposed to embody being against. Um, And, yeah, I just – I don't see it. And I played Rift for a long time. And they have an entire set of rewards and basically a reputation set up specifically around PvP. And I never touched it in playing that game for like four or five years. I can understand why. I just uh, the 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 sheer just just elitism and then the ego and toxicity of the community that that surrounds all that stuff. I. I can't stand it. I just, uh, it, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts my head. It hurts my soul. It, it, it hurts. Now, moving on to console news. Console only news, shall we say. Star Trek Online Console News. This is the last week of the Temporal Agent event. There are no goals this coming week. It ends April 7th, 
Um, yeah, there are no goals. Just go out there and enjoy the 50% bonus marks for the week. You know, go run some STFs, go run a few random patrols, that sort of stuff. Go mining! Percent bonus marks. Go mining! No, this one's just for bonus reputation marks. So, other than that, this current weekend, which, yeah, hopefully the show will be released before the, this is completely over with, is an R&D weekend for the console. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, then we also have that the Dauntless has been released on console, and I personally, yeah, I'm meh about the Dauntless. Uh, it's it basically it, it has all the same stats as the as the the PC counterpart. It's just on console now. It's the Dauntless. It's the it's the future spaceship that's not really Federation but looks Federation. From Voyager. Yay! Now you can actually fly a Dauntless class in the Battle of Procyon 5. Yay! Hey. Don't care. Don't really care. You know, I do happen to like the Radiant Nanite Cloud Starship trade on there. I mean, that is the only thing on it that I actually like. Um, Because, yeah, that's... It's a bonus to healing. So, yeah, if, if you had the Radiant Nanite Cloud on your Lucari science ship, when you hit a Hull Bridge Officer ability heals, you get an additional 25% over 4K, over 4 seconds, but it affects everybody in a 3-kilometer radius. Ah, so should we move on to timelines? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you do that. Does no one here understand your incredible good fortune? Star Trek Timelines. Did someone say gay? You seem to find this all very amusing. I have not been able to get into timelines at all because of the little issue they've been having that seems to be reoccurring on my account. Well, the only way I've been playing timelines lately has been through Facebook. And, uh, apparently... I didn't know this, but, um, yeah, there was this special event going on where everybody had access to Warp 1 in timelines. And I mean everybody. Well, that kind of ended on the 30th, which meant Warp 1 became locked behind VIP level 1 again. Well, at least I got a whole bunch of characters leveled up past level 10. For, like, the first time ever. I don't think I have a single character who is under level 10 now. At all. And that's even with the new event crew for the event that just just came out. Yeah, you're way ahead of me then. Yeah, well, that's also because of some of the balancing changes to the loot tables and the difficulty of missions. So, uh... Like, a lot of that low-level stuff is actually supposed to be dropping in, guess what, the low-level missions. So, yeah, it was nice to finally, you know, be able to level up a whole bunch of freaking crew that was rare, very rare, and epic quality, and, uh, you know, not have them sitting at level 10 because I can't get the little things that I need for them to upgrade. Yeah, the only thing I would have been able to get out of timelines was I was able to get in just long enough to get the five free crew slots. 
other than that, I have not been able to do a stinking thing. That yes, the the biggest thing for timelines right now is that uh, 1.8 has been released. It has completely changed the user interface regarding crew. Well, crew and the like the event that's going on right now, which is a galaxy event. Anything that is craftable in the game now doesn't have like a weird outline thing around it. It has a gold plus sign that means you can equip it if you already have it. A gold like crescent hammer, which means you can actually craft it. And then there is a like a play button, a blue play button, which means, hey, you need to go and play this stuff to get the items to build it or to equip it. That's been that's been the biggest change for for crew stuff and the galaxy event. The uh, another uh, one of the other big changes is this favoriting system and I will be completely honest, I don't know how that works and kind of don't care. They have also implemented costs for unvaulting crew that you have put into cryostasis, essentially put into the vault. Uh, it will cost um, your merit points. You know, the, the little things that you get to shop around in the, the, the faction stores. It will cost merit points to unlock or, or unvault characters. And that cost uh, expands as each, each, each crew member you pull out for a day. And it does reset daily, but I think if I remember no. correctly, the starting one, the one that the this to start, you have to have 150 merits to pull a crew member out of the vault. Yeah, what you've got here in the notes is numbers one, two, and three coming out of the vault are 150 and 150 merits, and then 100 merits on the third one. Uh, crew four out of the vault is 150 dilithium. And numbers five and over are 250 dilithium each. And yeah, with the vault cost re yeah, resetting each day. Wow. One new, one very nice new feature the battle arena and cadet challenge cooldown timers have been reduced from 10 minutes to three. Hey, that means if I can get into the game, I can actually use up some of the almost 200. Um, yeah, battle arena tickets that I have. Cool. I've been using the cadet challenge ones for the um, replicator rations and the chronotons. That's basically been it. I never touch timelines cadet challenges when they're running a, hey, here's the little thing that grants you the little booster packs. I hardly use the booster packs. It's like, why do I even need these things? About the only time I ever used a booster packs is for running shuttle missions so I can get, like, double the rewards. And that jacks up the, the time for the shuttles anyway, so it's like, yeah, I'm going to do this as I'm leaving the game and not play it for 24 hours. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I didn't. I haven't been doing much in the way of the arena or the challenge because yeah, it just took so long for it to reset. But anyways, shall so we go there's into a, the, to the general Star Trek news. Well, well, no, that no, no, no. We we still have we 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 still have some timeline stuff to cover. There is an event going on right and now in timelines. 
gods and masters. Essentially, Cybok is hearing voices again, and he's gathering like a whole bunch of augments, and he wants to take them to this place. Okay, um, but interestingly enough, there's some stuff going on with Section 31. Ooh. So there are two new crew members with this event, Durango Troy. Um, you may remember this Deanna Troy from A Fistful of Datas. Yes? No? Ne never saw that one. Okay. As essentially, it's Wild West Deanna Troy with Wild West Alexander and Wild West Worf as they fight a whole bunch of actual Wild West Datas. That was that episode. This is a new crew member. It is a legendary five star. I'm not going to go through like all the stats. I know Midnight likes to, but it's just. Uh, there's also. That's a whole lot of gibberish. Yeah. Uh, there's also Cybok, which is a new uh, four-star super rare. You know, Cybok, the Laughing Vulcan. God, now why, why am I thinking yeah. of cheese? Because his character was cheesy? Well, no. I'm, I think I'm thinking of the Laughing Cow, but I'm thinking of the Laughing Vulcan brand aged cheese. Could you well, not you see that? Remember, Cybok was the one Vulcan that ignored the teachings of the Kolinar and followed more along the lines of the path that the, oh, what was that, the Romulans did and following their emotions more than the teachings of, of logic. And yeah, which made him the severe outcast among Vulcan society. And that's a really, really weird thing. Because we see this over and over and over again. You have a Spock who's... I, I, I have to reject emotion for logic. And then you see all of these, uh, you know, later Vulcans kind of doing the same. Then you have Enterprise come along. Uh, well, 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 first you have... Well, first you have, you know... The, the the god movie with Cybok and Cybok is like literally spouting this stuff of of you know you know the teachings say to you know we have to coexist with emotion not that we have to remove or purge all emotion um okay then we get enterprise we're basically Basically, Paul and Archer go on an entire, like, quest chain where that's exactly what what the the texts are saying and the Vulcans have been trying to hide it the whole time. And yet, still afterwards, the Vulcans are still trying to do this logic-only thing. Uh, okay. Kinda seems like Cybok was the only Vulcan that actually got the, the teachings of... of of was it Sirak? Yeah, like it seems like Cybok's the only one that actually got it. So he was the true thinker. Hmm. I don't. I, I. I can't say one way or the other. It's just Cybok's a really Cybok is a really interesting character. Anyway, the other event crew is the already existing Luther Sloan. A four-star super rare from Section 31. 
asshole. So yeah, there's um yeah. Th- there's some threshold rewards with this event. Um the starter rewards are the existing two-star section 31 read, a decent a decent character card. And if you get high enough, you can get a Luther Sloan. Uh, the ranked rewards for the event are the Deanna Troy, the Cybok, and uh, Durango Troy. The community rewards were blown through day one. I'm not kidding. All three of the community rewards were completed day one. When this event started... About 12 hours into it, both Cybok and Luther Sloan had been completed in the community rewards. When I logged in earlier this morning, before the 24 hours for Phase 1 had passed, they had finished the 1 million mark for the one 10-pack premium thing for the community reward. So the day w- <laughs> the community rewards were blown through in day one. If you're just getting in, you've missed them. <laughs> oh God! You know what that actually reminds me of? What? Remember when in Stowe they were doing the Delta recruit? And yep. Like the first two or three weeks, they had the the tiered rewards, and it was like within the first day, day and a half that they were completed. They had already done. Life. They had already blown through tier three of the first week. Yeah, I remember that. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, you have to have to understand that this is a galaxy event. So basically, this is one of the craft stuff events. Uh, and while it's great for getting materials for like, oh, I don't know, leveling up characters that have been level 10 for forever, um, you kind of run the problem of running out of chronotons eventually i started last the last event i can't remember the name of it now i started the last event with four thousand chronotons i'm now staring at 300 the last time i was able to get into the game successfully and play for any length of time i was sitting on thirteen thousand chronotons yes you can hate me all you want I don't. I don't hate you. I don't hate you. I just look the the, the chronotons I had ha, had been banked for months upon months upon months of not being able to log into the game. Remember, I mean, like oh, the oh, only yeah. the only reason I have a epic quality mirror universe Spock is because they sent it out in a mail to everybody for. For hey, we we screwed up. Here's Spock. Okay, cool. It was still in my mailbox waiting for me when I was finally able to log in. That and about four thousand chronotons worth of chronotons from different, you know, hey, we we had to take stuff down. Here's some free chronotons. But the best bit is the best bit is I got into the arena. Um, then they did the, then they had to take the basic arena offline. 
um, the the starting arena for for ships for ship battles. And uh, at that time, I was puttering around in a level six, level seven Valjean. I was th- I think it was level no, it was level five, level six. And uh, when they brought it back up, I have not been under the 50% mark since. So I am constantly, I am constantly every 24 hours getting a mail from, from the game going, Hey, here's, here's five Valjean schematics for being in the top 50% of, of the arena. Okay, cool. And uh, of course, I now have a Borg cube and the HMS bounty. So, uh, slowly trying to work my way up in the captain rank. Very nice. Yeah. So, anything else we want to discuss when it comes to timelines? Besides, I still can't get in the damn game. Nope. I think it's actually time to move on to Star Trek news. Star Trek News. Um, According to StarTrek.com, Christopher Pine, a.k.a. J.J. Kirk, got to take second seat with the famous U.S. Air Force flight team, the Thunderbirds, not to be confused with the International Rescue Group. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, I have to, no, 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 back up, I'm gonna, I I have to set this all up, okay. Go for it. Midnight, cut that part out, I'm gonna introduce this one. So guys, according to StarTrek.com, Chris Pine is go. Yes, Chris Pine, aka JJ Kirk, got to take second seat with the famous U.S. Air Force flight team, Thunderbirds. Not to be confused with International Rescue, of course, FAB. He reportedly experienced the weight of 9.2 Gs and felt, uh, and, and got the feeling of traveling at Mach 1. That's rather interesting. There's a UK show mm-hmm. called, there's a UK show called Thunderbirds. It's a really old puppet show, and they've recently had a reboot that's kind of animated. That team is called International Rescue, okay. and the Thunderbirds are different vehicles. So every time I hear oh. of Thunderbirds, I have to remind myself, oh, it's the U.S. Air Force Flight Team Thunderbirds and not International Rescue. Okay, that would explain my confusion. <laughs> also, the reason Jonathan Frakes had never seen Star Trek in any capacity, he was hooked on Thunderbirds, which is also why he directed the Thunderbirds reboot movie. That would make sense. So, moving on. Guys, did you know Captain Picard could have been Frankenstein's monster? So, yeah, uh, there's been some... There's been some stuff that's been released of memos from TNG that showed other actors that could have possibly played Riker, Troy, you know, the, your main crew for, for, for the next generation. A lot of what's not talked about is a laundry list of lead actors to play Captain Picard, including Yafet Koto, who played Parker in the movie Alien, Billy D. Williams, you know, Lando Calrissian from The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, 
Vetlando Calrissian. Uh, the yeah, late I don't think that would have worked out so well. Paul Gleason, who played Principal Vernon in The Breakfast Club, and uh, the whole reason for me saying Frankenstein's Munster, also considered was Fred Gwynn, a.k.a. Herman Munster from The Munsters. So, uh, yeah. Links to... Uh, uh, we'll we'll provide a link to to this article, which includes the list of all the actors, because there's a lot of them, guys. Rip Torn is even on this list. I am not joking. Rip Torn is on this list for a possible Picard actor. That would have completely changed TNG in a lot of ways. Yeah, just imagine Rip Torn playing playing his agent from Men in Black, but as Captain Picard. <laughs> Damn it, I was trying not to. And now you can't think of anything else. Damn you. Nah, I'm still thinking of I'm still thinking of Fred Gwynn having a fit on the Enterprise and jumping up and down and the whole bridge shaking. <laughs> I'm thinking more along the lines of it spinning cartwheels through space. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there you go, CGI people. There's you something to try to work on. Make Enterprise do cartwheels through space. Well, just, 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 just make the ships actually function on a 3D plane without having to have like this law of the galactic plane to make everything straight. Okay, so two meets, uh, two ships meet. Suddenly, one's upside down compared to the other one. Well, yeah, that's kind of how space works. Yeah, horizontal and vertical are relative to wherever your feet happen to be planted. So, yeah, there is no true up or down within the confines of space itself. So, one last piece of news before we go. A doctor and the doctor walk into a play. Uh, okay. Th the Joke is a play starring Sylvester McCoy also known as the Eighth Doctor, and Robert Picardo, Star Trek's EMH, and Richard Oliver. It is a uh, play that is actually looking for funding right now uh, for their world premiere at the Edinburgh Festival. So far, they've raised 4,500 uh, of their 7,000 goal for Act One. And you can find more information about the play and the actors and stuff you can get for donating at danfreeman.co.uk. And of course, you know, links for all this stuff will be in the show notes. Main Viewer Computed and recorded, dear. Okay, on our main viewer today, um, when it rains, there's mud. Yeah, I love the title. Um, I uh, look. Again, I, I looked at the one. I looked at the one on StarTrek.com, and I went, "Look, there's a joke right there, and all you have to do is write it, guys." So I wrote it myself. So according to StarTrek.com, yeah, rain. Yeah. So according to StarTrek.com, Rain Wilson has officially joined the cast of Star Trek Discovery. As Harry Mud. Oh God. <laughs> the the nerd rage that is incoming from this. 
I haven't seen it. I just know that there's going to be. Because when do people not get pissed off about new people taking over for other people's roles? Yeah, I'm not even sure the guy that originally played Harry Mudd is still alive. So, I mean, come on. He actually looks a lot like the original Mudd. I'm sorry, uh, he does. I, I, I don't know. At this point, I'm wholly up to letting Beyond and Discovery and all this new stuff be its own thing. It's going to be Trek. There's nothing I can do to change that. There's nothing anybody who is toss only can say to change that. So all the rage that people are spouting and all the hate and criticism that is so, so vastly misplaced is utterly worthless as long as the as long as the thing actually sells. This is also very true. Now, some of Rain Wilson's previous acting accolades. Um, well, he's best known as White Shroot, or however you pronounce that, off of The Office. But he was also in Galaxy Quest, House of a Thousand Corpses, Six Feet Under, Juno, Titus Andronicus, and, drumroll, the Broadway production of The Tempest with Patrick Stewart. And he also happens to be a published author as well. So, yeah, that, you know, I've honestly, I've not seen either versions of The Office. So I look at Rain Wilson's picture here, and I can only assume that his character in The Office is supposed to be the one that, um, I, oh God, I can't remember his name. The guy who played the voice of Wheatley in Portal 2, Stephen, Stephen Merchant, I think. I think it's his character that he plays in the U.S. version of The Office. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just looking at stuff and, and just kind of correlating it in my mind. But it will be fascinating to see. I I kind of wholly... I, I, I look forward to it. I hope it's good. I really do. Convention News. Wow, I think my connection may have just eight. Eight? What happened to seven and six? Okay, I am still connected. Yeah, you're you're still here. You're still here. What what happened? What? I was trying to write down the time so I could move on to the next segment. Guys, we're this all of this stuff is going to be cut and edited because like, this is the first time I am hosting the show, and Midnight has, like, all of these little cues that he has little things pressed for, so he knows where to stop and edit and add things. Plus, uh, if you've noticed today, no bumpers on the live show. I don't have any of the bumpers. <laughs> so, uh, those will be edited in in post, so I have to take down the timestamps. Way to throw me under the bus. <laughs> uh, well, look, look, don't blame me for that. Midnight said all you were going to do would be broadcasting. I didn't, 
I didn't expect you to have the bumpers. Do you have the bumpers? I do, but uh, we were kind of late getting in. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, um, in case anybody's wondering, and this actually goes into the next section, um, con- or convention news. Midnight is not with us today because, well, he happens to be at the first contact day convention that's going on right now over in England. So, you lucky blighter, get your buggery ass back and do your job. Um, I do want to point out that, uh, your, your device decided to alert us, and we all heard it. It was trying to beat me out so I didn't get in trouble. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it was trying to censor you. Uh. Oh, it must be British. I don't know. It is an android. Maybe it may be Japanese. They're... Sander, you have the bumpers. Where's the rim shot? <laughs> so yeah, midnight is right now at uh, FDC. Um, the, the FDC has another name, and I can never remember the name of it because everybody calls it First Contact Day. Uh, so I apologize, but yeah, Midnight is is at FCD right now, and he may have a report to insert for the show, or we may have a follow-up for next weekend. He's been posting a lot of stuff to the social media, some of it's funny, especially the fact that him and his uh, son went in cosplay, and his son went as young Riker, and he went as Scotty from... The Wrath of Khan era. Yes, I apologize. I keep, I keep getting look. I keep getting it mixed up anyway, Alex. I, I have always been very, very, very bad with names. I, it may have it, been it may have been. It may have been fan and celebrities day. I, I just, I, I, I don't remember. I apologize, but I don't remember. So. With that being out of the way now, yeah, and yes, midnight, please come back because yeah, we miss you. That we do. Uh, we will we'll go ahead and move on to our holodeck section for our unofficial Star Trek productions. Holodeck. So, uh, have you guys heard someone's crafting a movie, or a, a, a n- movie pilot? No, 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 it's a TV pilot. Yeah, I don't know who put that title in, but yeah, it happens. I was half asleep when I added all these show notes. Shut up, damn it. Hey, that's why I was saying I don't know who. But anyways, um, yes, uh, Tommy Craft who we had on here a number of times about Star Trek Horizon, has started another project on Indiegogo. It's called Electron Blade. It's meant to be a TV pilot for a series of the same title set in a far-flung dystopian universe where one woman is set to create the perfect vessel, a perfect human to hold her form. Their initial goal is 60000 
which is only 10,000 more than Horizon originally had. So far, they've raised just short of 1,000, and they have a month left to try to come up with the rest. And if Horizon was any sort of indication as to the care and crafting, pardon the pun, that he will put into this project, um, oh my God, it will be amazing. Well, there's also the news that I, I don't know when, uh, because didn't see anybody marketing it. I don't even think we covered it. Uh, Tommy Craft and the the other lady who is helping uh, produce this TV pilot finished and released their Runaway project. And uh, that's actually been released. And I sat and watched it, and it's it's actually really interesting. Yeah, I did not know that that had actually been finished up and released. Um, oh my God, we uh, I think we owe Tommy an apology on that one because we had mentioned it, and then it just kind of fell off the radar. Mm. Well, we've mentioned we, well, we've mentioned it several times. I don't remember us ever seeing any information because if we had, Midnight would be the first one there to say, "Hey, this has been released." Unless that was around the time that he got sick and just just it got lost in everything, which could have also happened. But yeah, this, this is, is very, very true. This, Electron Blade is looks like it's going to be an interesting, a rather interesting premise, uh, because well, it it deals with God themes. Like this one woman is going to be God essentially. the The way that the the Indiegogo campaign talks about this, this lady is going to be God. She's going to attempt to. She's going to craft an entire world, create the life on that world, and then try to create the perfect human that she can embody. So essentially, she's 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 crafting an, an entire world to be the Jesus character, which is weird but not uncommon. I just hope it doesn't turn into a fifth element thing, you know. Yeah, uh, that's my one worry about that whole. And I was trying not to go there. But yeah, the, you know, it, for for those of you who want to find out more about the production, there is um, even more backstory than we've shared for what this uh, what this setting is going to going to be about, and what the series itself will will be about. Um, on Tommy Craft's Indiegogo campaign. And of course, like everything else, we'll provide a link to it in our show notes. Well, if there's nothing else on that, um, yeah, shall we go into our community feedback and that sort of fun? Community feedback. Join with us. Share your thoughts. Resistance. It's futile. The connection on my computer just went down. Oh, hell. Well, folks, I'm it looks... I'm technical difficulties. It looks like I might be finishing the show by myself. Unless Sander wants to chime in. <laughs> no, see, I'm doing a voice part on my phone. 
it's just I can't get to the uh, yeah to the part in the docks where we've got our community feedback stuff. That's fine. I usually do this part anyway. <laughs> I'm used to doing the feedback, Alex. You know what I just realized? I've been I've been working so much trying to get this show together. I haven't even gone and gotten Alex's feedback. Oh, God, this has been one hell of a week. Oh, my. So, yeah, um, before, before Midnight left, I, I, or while Midnight was away, I said, Hey, Midnight, has there been any pings in the feedback from the places that I don't know? He goes, No, there's been no reply yet. It's like, Okay. I can go and get the forum feedback later when I'm rested. Guess what? I forgot. <laughs> so, so give me a moment while I'm laughing and explaining because I'm trying to scroll through the forums. You're not the only one making the men scramble. <laughs> Come on, Xander. This is where you're supposed to fill in. <laughs> Okay, so our first community question for last week was, do you think that Anthony Rapp's uh, comments from his Metro Weekly interview are just being sensationalized? Alex, you're the only one that responded. Alex responded from the forum and said, yes, they are. And that's the sad part. Like I said during the show, this should not be big news. The fact that it is, well, let's just say that it says a lot about society. Just like Klingon Gate said a lot about the Star Trek Online community. I mean, did people make a big deal out of Avery Brooks playing the first black man main character captain? What about Kate Mulgrew playing the first female captain? You know, people probably made a big deal out of it. And now we're about to get the first openly, the word could get censored, captain. Wait, what? That character is not even the captain, but an astromycologist? Well, isn't it wonderful that that he follows in the footsteps of all those famous astromycologists we've had before, like, um... Do you remember any? Because I don't. I guess you can't trust a gay character to fill any useful role. Shrug. And yes, son, I can see why some people are worried that the production team might drop the ball. There is a difference between a well-written character that just happens to be gay and a character that is gay just to be gay. I I don't yeah, like yeah, I <laughs> I don't disagree. I mean, it's uh, I don't like I said last week, there is all of this stuff that happens in in our society when it comes to visual arts. Um for for instance, when can anybody clearly define when American movies stop using the transatlantic accent? You know, your 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 Catherine uh Catherine Hepburns and and stuff like that. Can anybody clearly define the year, the movie, the film that all of that stuff stopped happening and people just kind of started taking up the the accents of whatever they were in the role of at the time. No, because um, I, I no. I, 
I sure as hell can't, but it's just something that society changed. And it's not, uh, yeah, for a while there, it's probably something that at the time was wholly sensationalized because they're not using this method of acting that people are used to anymore. Okay, now nobody even remembers that there may have even been sensationalization of that, but I'm pretty sure there was. Does anybody here remember the year, the date, the show where couples no longer had separate beds in TV shows? No? Well, I'm pretty sure it was a scandal when it happened, and it was sensationalized when it happened. But it's a change that society made and forgot about the fact that they sensationalized it. The same... Um, actually... That one happened in soap operas in the early 80s. And was there a whole bunch of sensationalization over it? Uh, actually, there was a fair amount. I mean, it wasn't an inordinate amount uh, of sensationalization going on about it, but there was a lot of commentary, especially on the daytime talk shows at the time, talking about how that was going to destroy the entire moral fabric of any area that those were watched. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was mainly your daytime rags like Donahue show and, and stuff like that, that made the, the huge deal out of it. But uh, well, and that and, and, whole thing didn't last for very long. Well, and you also, you have to remember, you also have to remember that was the internet for the day. In that in that age, that was their version of the internet. Daytime talk shows, the 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 opinion shows during the morning and and early afternoon. That was the U.S. version of the internet before the internet existed. That was how people got their information about celebrity stuffs goings on. Everything that we have now amplifies that sensationalization 300 400 500 fold so only 100 and not 1000 hundreds uh, hundreds of multiplications is still a huge ass amount of 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 megaphoning <laughs> but yeah i wholly expect that the sensationalization of having gay characters be in the things no, you pervert. That's not what I said. Think of something else. But of all of these characters being in shows that just happen to be gay, yeah, it's going to take a whole lot of a while for the rest of uh, what we consider our society to get used to that fact. So it will be hyped up as this thing. And like I said last week, there'll be a there'll be a section that goes, "This is wrong because the Bible says it's wrong." Just like the Donahue show did with the putting the beds together. There will be the section. If you remember, there was also we we also had basically the same discussion um, not that long ago when it came to the to the the last Star Trek movie that came out, and the fact that there was that little bitty blurb about Sulu and his husband. Um, sharing that embrace uh, just before they departed, 
and the big hubbub that was being made about that. I still stand by what I said. It's not that big a deal. I mean, if you're doing it just to do it because you feel it's something that you want for the shock factor, then yeah, that's a wrong idea. If you're doing it because it furthers the character development and that sort of thing, you know, it's not that big a fucking deal. People need to get over it. It's a, in, in this case, it's a plot device. And yeah, just because it happens to be a lifestyle choice that a lot of people, that some, well, that some people completely and totally disagree with, that's their issue. If they cannot see beyond their own bigotry, then there's a whole lot of stuff they need to learn about tolerance and being able to love their fellow man. Uh, I mean, hell, even in the Bible, it says love the person, not the action. Uh, so they need to remember the whole teaching and not just part of it. I mean, you know, it's you're you're completely right, Alex. Like, you know, there's humanity has gone through this period where they point fingers at other humans and say those people are other, those people are the problem, those people are less than me. And as humanity itself evolves in its own morality, the other that humanity points at changes and will change. To the point that we actually do make first contact, and then humanity will point at the aliens and go, you're the other, which is why we haven't been visited by aliens. At least, officially. No, I'm not turning into Coast to Coast AM. I'm just saying. You know, the th this whole thing of the sensationalization of a gay character is wholly amplified because of us having the internet in this day and age. If we if we didn't have the internet and we still had the same the same settings as the 80s when you know pushing the beds together happened or when you know video actor movie actors stopped using the transatlantic accent you'd probably get a big hullabaloo and it would die off just as it became a social norm or a cultural norm, whichever it is supposed to be. It's going to take a little bit longer for it to become a social norm just because we have the internet and the internet's very existence is, oh my god, this thing is happening! This thing is happening right now! It's gotta go viral right now! Right now! And that's kind of how the internet exists at this point. And it's stupid, but that's the way it exists at this point. Until, and until humanity evolves past that in the internet age, we're going to be sitting in this thing where... Every little aspect that is just the tiniest bit different than what we're used to is going to be sensationalized to all fucking hell. Well, you can also blame that on society in general in the fact that we have gone from a work for it and earn it into an instant gratification society where we want it now and we don't care what it takes. We want it now. Five minutes from now, not five seconds from now, we want it now. And because of that, a lot of stupid shit getting around and is creating problems that never should have been there to begin with. I mean, let's just be honest. There's a lot of stupid shit going on because of that. And 
if we got away from that whole instant gratification society, then there would be a whole lot less stupid shit that we'd have to deal with on a moment-to-moment or day-by-day basis because people would actually be looking more towards the long-term and figuring out that this is small shit, don't sweat it. And see, at the same time that I agree with you, the I have to look at what what has what has gone on, and, and including what we've spoken of, and have to say, you know, the opposite of what Alex has, you know, what Alex has said is what has happened. Just humanity itself has done the opposite. Like the interview happened. The interview happened. Nobody who was conducting the interview went like this is such huge news that we have to share it with every fucking body. So far, that's the only article I've seen about that character being gay. But that doesn't mean that every Star Trek fan and every non-fan and every LGBT site has taken this single article and run with it to hell and back. That's the sensationalization. Okay, sure. You know, this publication created a clickbaity article, maybe, about a character being gay in the new Star Trek. Okay. That doesn't mean anything, because we all kind of accept it. We all kind of accept it. It doesn't stop the, what Dragon said, instant gratification aspect of humanity taking it and running with it and posting it everywhere because it's big fucking news. And yeah, we're continuing. We here at Tribbles are actually kind of contributing and continuing such sensationalization the more we actually talk about it. It's a, yeah, it's a thing that happens. You know, <laughs> back in World War II, when a certain someone was rounding up certain other some peoples, there were whole sections of people that were quarantined off from the rest of everybody else because they were gay. You know, being gay is a new thing. Oh, hell, let's be honest. There there were entire platoons and brigades and all that sort of fun back in the ancient Greek army that were known for their fighting because of the fact that they were each other's lovers and they were some of the most intense fighters that there were on the battlefield and they were the most feared because of it. But that digresses from our next question, which happens to be, if you've been testing the new space changes on Tribbles and Stowe, how is your build holding up versus your build on on Holodeck? Well, I have tested it and uh, I'm not liking it because my Holodeck build, which transferred across, is severely gimped compared in comparison. We're talking, yeah, about a 35 to 40% drop in everything. See, I, I don't know. I haven't tested it. I don't expect there to be a significant drop in the amount of damage I'm doing. Mostly because I I don't function like min-maxers mostly do. <laughs> so, I don't know. When that happens, I'll see when it happens. Not before or after. But Alex commented from our forums and said, no, I haven't 
I just can't be bothered, and I have absolutely no faith in Cryptic's ability or willingness to commit any sort of ongoing balance uh, passes. I really don't get why anyone interested in PvP is still playing this game. Over the years, Cryptic has been rather clear about how little they value PvP and balance. Whenever this balance thing is done and Timberwolf publishes new and or updated budget build videos, I might take those as inspiration. But that's about as much effort as I am willing to put into this game. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I would have to agree wholeheartedly with what Alex said there. Um, our final community question, community question, boy, there's a tongue twister for me at the moment, was what are your thoughts of the, up of the updates coming to Star Trek timelines mentioned in their live stream? Alex's response was epic, if for no other reason than for its brevity. Alex. He, his answer, and I quote, I got nothing. Alex doesn't play timelines. So we did have some general feedback. Wait, what was that? What was that, Dragon? I know he doesn't play timelines, which is why it, it, that answer is, is so epic from him, because normally it's just one of those of his answers are so long and thought out and concise and brilliantly worded. And then we have this one three-word answer. It's just, yes. I, I I love it. You you did not see last week's response that he posted for timelines. We've gotten in the habit of not mentioning his 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 one-liners for for timelines, except we started again last week because I really enjoyed it. But I have forgotten since then, and I've actually been sick and have slept. So hey, I don't remember what it was, but it was it was. It was cool enough that I had to mention it anyway. Yay! But yeah, we have some general feedback. James Hams uh, posted in the Star Trek Fan Productions Facebook group and said, uh, For me, Stowe has become stale and needs a massive injection of content. At the moment, I'm glad Mass Effect Andromeda is out, as I was logging on only to log off ten minutes later. Midnight actually responded and said, For me, I just don't have the time to play due to other commitments. I still have so much I need and want to complete in-game. But thanks for your comment. The crew will read it out and discuss it on Saturday's show. Do you think the new Ground and Space, uh, and space revamp will make you come back when Season 13 arrives at the end of April? James responded, Honestly, I'm not sure. I used to play every day for years, and I loved it. But with the big letdown and the new battle zone and how season 12 was, like one featured episode, I'm just bored, to be honest. I missed the amount of missions we got when Delta Rising was released. Lol. Yeah, see, when you have to... When you have to fondly remember Delta Rising as content... You know you're fucking up somewhere. <laughs> when people look back at the train wreck that was the level 60 cap and Delta Rising and go, man, I kind of wish we had all that shit right now. It would be interesting to have stuff to do. 
you're you're doing something wrong there at the cryptic studios james finished and said i will come back later as i'm a lifer but uh it will be a while as the grind is so boring once you've done five reputations on six tunes you get bored and you know now they're adding another one Okay, I need to make my apologies. I have had something come up, and I need to take off. Um, I do apologize, everybody, for splitting early. Um, Xander, please, uh, yes, uh, help Sun out as much as you can, because, well, yeah, feedback is kind of boring if if you don't have somebody to talk to. Um, With that, be well, everybody. Remember the functions of IDIC, infinite diversity and infinite combinations, and love each other well. Until then, peace. See you, dragon. Have a good night. And of course, we have our feedback from Alex. Allied escort bundle in the heavy weapons. Okay, let's skip through this. The ship looks nice. Or the ships look nice, and I would think I would have switched to the Cation and Frost and Escort. The Riemann Escort, I think I would have preferred a pure Riemann design instead of a Riemannized Delon. And, as always, they managed to mess up the copy-paste thing by calling the fleet version of Tier 6 Fleet Delon when it should be called the Tier 6 Fleet Athos. I get it. Copy-paste saves time. But that does not excuse the constant lack of proofreading. Quite the opposite. (laughs) Heavy weapons. So, we're getting a balance pass. But instead of rebalancing the ships in a way that would make escorts and raiders and raptors the kings of DPS, you feel the need to throw heavy weapons into the mix. That does not make me feel confident about the balance changes at all. There's probably a million ways to rebalance things, and the one way Cryptic likes to address the issue is by throwing more stuff at it. Uh, I don't know what that word is, because it's a censored word. More ways to introduce weird interactions between items and powers and abilities. More ways to completely screw up the game. That's just peachy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, look, I don't disagree. Like, the last thing you want to do when you're making, a, like, a complete balance overhaul is to say, Hey, we're doing a complete balance overhaul. By the way, let's add this new mechanic to all of our coding, because why the fuck not? Tell us how you really feel. First contact day. Okay, so we're getting something along the lines of a flyable phoenix small craft golf clap. I'm still waiting for the tier 6 to plan a half. So, does this work like Q's Winter Wonderland? No. This isn't a social zone? It's a Q? Why? What's the point? Have you Tribbles played this? Is there any reason for it being a Q? Why would you replace a social zone, Utopia Planitia, with a Q? So many questions. I kinda understand why they'd make this its own thing. Uh, I understand why they'd make it a Q. They'd uh, make it a Q because it means that the other quote-unquote factions could access it from anywhere without having to put her over to Earth, you know, depending on whether or not they're still at war with the Federation, given you can do this thing from level 10. But whatever. Uh, As for 
that's probably the only reason it's a Q. Because at this point, everything in the competition portion of this thing is utterly redundant, as we've discussed earlier. The whole thing is kind of on its face a farce. And it's just a way for somebody who had a really diehard love of statues to make a Zephram Cochran statue. Because that's, that's the biggest thing of this entire thing, is there's a giant fucking Zephram Cochran statue. That's it. There's a building that's been ripped from the Federation HQ to be the museum off in the distance in one way. There's some trees and foliage and rivers and rocks that have been torn from other assets. Okay. There's some park benches and stuff because it's, you know, it's 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 now a historical landmark slash park thing. Okay. The only other unique thing here is the fact that they went to the lengths of putting in the missile silo and, like, the building stuff from First Contact. Oh, and did I mention they spent, like, an inordinate amount of fucking money for Magic Carpet Ride? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I understand where all the money went. I don't know why it went there. Uh, I still have a Romulan character who doesn't have their Nanoff pet. I have three new Klingons who don't have a Batleth. But, you know, my Fed officer is getting a new version of the Phoenix. Okay... First contact day, everybody. That's how I feel. Season 13. Remember how I said Agents of Yesterday was a, was rather light on content? How how much story content did we get since then? Two featured episodes? Three? And those were supposedly part of season 12? Well, since Perfect World can't be bothered to feature the RP blogs more prominently, how about you just, I don't know, Stop writing them and put those hours into making more episodes? I mean, you really like to talk about the biggest quote-unquote bang for the buck, so, uh, yeah. April Fool's joke. Okay, the April Fool's Day... Uh, April Fool's Day is a thing. Fine, I get that. Haha, -ha, very funny. But the fact that nobody could be bothered to release, like, the official Delta Rising announcement... Uh, the weekend that announcement happened, and yet we, and yet here we are, and for some inexplicable reason, April Fool stuff is important enough to post it on a Saturday. Perfect World never ceases to amaze me, except that amaze is probably definitely the wrong word to properly express my feelings. There's nothing I can add or subtract to that. Like, we have been shown time and time again that the marketing people over at Cryptic don't understand a fucking thing about what they're doing. Because, you know, Admiral Kale only posts his shit when he's allowed to post his shit. So when this stuff goes up, it's because he's been okayed to do it when he's been okayed to do it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the... The marketing team over there at Perfect World really needs to, like, have somebody beat every one of them with a two-by-four. But that's just me, not Alex. <laughs> as for the whole, uh, as for the whole April Fool's thing, 
I am so glad I'm I'm not experiencing it in game. The game kicked me out earlier this morning when I was trying to uh run the event on all of my characters. And I wanted to slot a bridge officer on one of my ships that I noticed had an empty slot. And as, tr- as I'm trying to slot the bridge officer, I get kicked out of the game. It's like, oh, so you don't want me to play the game. That's fine. An hour or two later, I hear this information about the April Fool's thing going live in Star Trek Online. And I'm like... Yeah, I'm so glad I'm not playing the game now. And I'm kind of glad I'm not going to be playing it till tomorrow. So for those of you who are listening live right now and do not know, it is a toggleable thing in game. So you can actually turn it off if you want to. Basically, what they did is they took all the button presses and... uh, and different things, and somebody decided to make a secondary layer of of vocal sounds. So it's buzzes and pew, 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 pew sounds, along with the actual sounds in-game. As you can hear, I am so hyped and thoroughly enthused about such a thing. So yeah, before we go, we have some community questions. So our community questions for this week are, what are your thoughts on Rain Wilson being cast as Harry Mudd in Discovery? What do you think of the UI changes to events and crew in timelines? Are you looking forward to season 13 in Star Trek Online? And finally, should more than just tier 6 tactical ships come with heavy weapon slots? As always... uh, When you provide feedback at our various locations, once we get, you know, the show posted, we'll read it back on air. So, would you like to, would you like to get in touch with us? You can get in touch with us on, uh, at Twitter, uh, at Tribbles in XTC, Facebook, Google Plus, Star Trek Risa, and Player.me. All of them at Tribbles in XTC. If you want to contact us directly, you can email us at hosts at TribblesNXTC.com. You can leave us a voicemail message on SpeakPipe at SpeakPipe.com slash TribblesNXTC. You can find us in syndication on iTunes and Google Play. Just look for Tribbles in Ecstasy. And you can also hear us live, well, live-ish, remastered usually, in syndication on trekradio.net and subspaceradio.net, both on Wednesdays, trekradio.net at 3 a.m. Eastern and subspaceradio.net at 2 p.m. Eastern. So, I've been Sun, and I'm closing out the show. It's been nice having you all here. It's even more of an honor having Xander back in the group to help broadcast for today. Thank you, Xander. Anytime. All shucks. And, as always, we'll see you next time.
listening to tonight's broadcast of Triple's Nexusy, a production of Holosuite Media. Be sure to check Holosuite Media, iTunes, and Stitcher Satellite Radio for our remastered shows and more. You can follow us on Twitter at Tribbles in XTC, or if you have any questions or comments, please send an email to TribblesInExtasy at gmail.com. Join us next week for another episode of Tribbles in Ecstasy, the only place where Tribbles and Klingons are friends. 